You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. I'm going to invite up our speaker for today, which is the lovely Jake Donaldson. Can you, can you call a man lovely? Like, is that offensive? Call a man beautiful, lovely, whatever. Whatever is complimentary. Right? It's all good. So, Church, can I just get you to outstretch your hand and let's give him a big Bayside welcome and just pray him in today? Hello, good morning. How are you? That's good. Good to hear. Like Aaron said, we've just been doing a, a three-week part series on Speak. And so I'm number three. I'm the last of the three of the weeks. And I find it quite ironic because I was the type of kid that didn't speak until I was four years old. So if, for me to be up here speaking about speaking <laughs> is a little bit... But we'll see how we go, hey? So just turn to your neighbour and... Give him a pinch and a punch for the first day of the month. <laughs> and then turn to your other neighbour and give him a pinch and a punch for the first day of the month. And once you're finished turning to your neighbour, you can turn to your Bible and let the Bible give you a punch. Hey. We'll be reading from Matthew 17. Now this is the story. Jesus, James, John and Peter go up on the mountain some of you might know the story where Jesus transfigures in front of them, in front of Peter, James and John. His face shines, his clothes become white as snow and then Elijah and Moses appear alongside him and Peter wants to build three tabernacles for them and then God speaks and says, this is my beloved son. And then after that, after all that, they come down from the mountain down to, back down to the disciples, the rest of the disciples at the bottom of the mountain, but there's a crowd of people down there as well. So we're going to be picking up from verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. We'll just stop there for a second. So we know that the boy has epilepsy. In Mark, if you read the same story, it says that he was mute and deaf also. So if there's any people here and you suffer from epilepsy, if you have seizures... Also, if you have hearing problems, if you have speech problems, could you please stand up? <clears throat> also, if you have digestive problems, I feel like God said digestive problems, uh, and also pain at the top of your spine, the neck area particularly, which can also give you sharp headaches, please stand up. If you're sitting next to these people, please if you can, just put your arm on them, hand on them, sorry. And we're going to pray together as a church. Let's pray over them, but let's speak directly to their sickness, directly to their pain, because the kingdom of heaven says that through his stripes we are healed. So pain leave right now in Jesus' name. Seizures leave right now in Jesus' name. Never to return in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you paid the ultimate price for us to be whole, healthy, 
and live in abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Pain leave right now in Jesus' name. How you going? You going good? Come on. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. It says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and I know in some translations, um, the NIV will say this, the NLT, I think the ASV as well will say, Faith as small as a mustard seed. But I like it in this translation, the New King James, where it says, faith as a mustard seed. I find that when you say faith as small as a mustard seed, it can almost illustrate that it's okay just to remain with a little bit of faith. That mustard seed of faith will get the job done, so we don't need to grow it. Whereas in the New King James, if you have faith as a mustard seed, as a mustard seed, illustrates to me that like a mustard seed, you need to grow it. We can't be okay with just a little bit of mustard seed. A good mustard seed needs to grow into a mustard tree. Now, who here wants a mustard tree of faith? <laughs> who wants to grow their mustard seed into a mustard tree? Me too, come on. Now, like a, like a mustard seed, like any seed, you need good soil. The soil feeds the seed. The soil will give that seed the nutrition that it needs to grow into a mustard, mustard tree. So don't be happy with just a seed. Grow your tree. We can't just be okay with just a little bit of faith. Even if it does work, we still need to stretch it. We need to grow it. We need to feed it. A guy I know, Ben Fitzgerald, and he'll be at the Awakening. There was a slide up for the Awakening Australia that's coming up in Adelaide on the 28th of July. Also, it will be an Awakening Australia event in, in Melbourne. He says it like this. Faith is like a stomach. It needs to be fed. We need to feed our faith. For it to grow, we need to feed it. With the illustration of the mustard seed, a mustard seed needs to be fed. It needs to be in good soil for it to grow. So what do we feed? How do we feed our faith? Is that what you just asked me? Thank you. I'm glad you asked. In verse 21, over the last couple of years, I've studied, I've 
read into, I've watched, I've listened to different types of revival where God's broken out in wonderful, mysteriously impactful ways across the globe. And I love, I love reading it, I love studying it, I, I just cannot get enough of the impact of God's had on this world in the past histories, also in the present. But it wasn't until a few years ago I got my hands on this book about the Azusa Street Revival. And I'd read into it, I'd, I'd read the story of William Seymour and, and all that, but it, I got my hands on this book and I think, now if I've got it right, I think it's, the, it's an eyewitness um, the view of the Azusa Street by Frank Bartleman or something like that, don't quote me on that name. But, but anyways, it paints this picture of exactly what went on at the Azusa Street Revival. And if you've never looked into the Azusa Street Revival or you haven't heard of it, Google it. It's an amazing, amazing mark on history that God poured out His Spirit on, on a church. Well, it was actually in a barn, hay barn, and um, on, a, on Azusa Street in California. And anyways, in this book, it talks about all the miraculous things that God did, everything um, that poured out in that revival, but it also painted a picture of the prayer that went behind it. And that made me think that for every great revival, there was more than likely prayer behind it. There was a conversation with man and God. So in verse 21, we can see in, in what I just read, what, what our soil for our mustard seed is, what we need to feed for our mustard seed to grow. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting could probably be two of the most rushed over things in some Christians' lives. Like I said, every, every great revival probably had a lot of prayer and fasting behind it. We had Azusa Street, which was William Seymour, who prayed, and not only just him, but there was a multitude from America that were praying for an outpouring of God. There was the Brownsville Revival. A man and his church prayed for revival every single day for two years. And then on Father's Day of 1995, they had a speaker come in and revival broke out. You can also Google that one. That one's pretty amazing too. There was the prayer revival in New York of 1857. And if you've never heard this one, this one's incredible. A man was told to start a prayer group. He, so he forked out of his own pocket all the money to buy 20,000 pamphlets and he handed them out himself for this prayer meeting, to, for people to attend this prayer meeting. And six people showed up. But he went, he stayed faithful, and he, kept, he did his prayer meeting. And then the next week, he held another prayer meeting, 10 people showed up. The next week, 20 people showed up, until it's, it was a snowball effect. 100 people showed up, 200 people showed up, 10,000 people showed up, until until the whole city was holding prayer meetings. They were hiring out stadiums, they were hiring out cinemas just to hold prayer meetings. There was a waiting list for people to teach in the Sunday school 
at these prayer meetings, there was, there was reports that eight-year-old kids were going around to their friend's place, to, not to play, but to pray, and they were holding prayer meetings on the side of the road, these eight-year-old kids, for souls, salvations over their friends, and they would be mourning and crying. And then on the trains, there was prayer meetings on the trains. It swept across America, went from New York, went to Nashville. It, um, there is reports that every single Sunday through this revival, 20,000 people were getting baptized in one day, every single Sunday. One man, one mission to pray. One man named Evan Roberts was a young guy. If you've never heard his name, Google it. (laughs) One man, Evan Roberts, he was a Christian boy and he had a heart for prayer. And he would be asked by friends to come to sporting events and he would decline because he would want to go pray. He was asked to go sailing, he would decline because he wanted to pray. He would go to prayer meetings and he would just pour out his heart until one meeting he poured out his heart and he said some simple words. He said, bend me to your will, God. A whole nation, a whole nation of Wales, it's called the Welsh Revival, a whole nation was impacted by that. A whole nation came to Christ because of one man said, bend me to your will, God. One man. That's all it takes. All it takes is one man to say, or one woman, doesn't have to be a man. There's, oh man, I could go forever on some of the women that have held revival meetings. Come on, let's do it. But this one man said, bend me to your will, God, and a whole nation got saved. They had to, there was a mining mining country, coal mining, they would have to retrain their donkeys to hear their voice because the donkeys were so used to them cursing and swearing that they didn't understand what they were actually saying when they were speaking to them normally. Pubs would close down because they would turn into Bible study halls. It's crazy. It's crazy. They would say there's record records that when you step over the border into Wales, you'd feel the presence of God. So this shows us to grow your faith, you actually need to spend time with the one who gives it to you. To grow your mustard seed of faith, we need to spend time with the one who gives us the mustard seed to start with. God speaks to us in different ways. He speaks to numbers, like Leanne spoke about how God speaks to her in numbers the other week. He speaks to us in the spirit, like Chad spoke about last week, about the spirit within us speaking. He speaks to us audibly. He speaks to us through a whisper. Rob touched on that a few weeks ago with Elijah. So that's your soil, that's your foundation. It's faith. Your faith is speaking to God and God speaking to you. It's a two-step process. It's not a one-step process. Two-step process. You speak to God, you listen. You listen to God, let Him speak. And then you speak back. Two-step process. Mother Teresa said this, 
Prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at His disposition and listening to the voice in the depth of your heart. God wants your heart. And He wants your heart first because once He has your heart, He has your hands, He has your feet, and then He has your voice. And it's our voice that God wants. He wants our hands, our feet, and our voice because when we speak to that mountain, it says, if you say to this mountain, it will move. It will not move if you do not speak about it. It will not move if you do not speak to it. It will just remain there. So it's prayer and fasting. I won't talk about fasting too much apart from I am a terrible faster. <laughs> Absolutely hopeless of fasting. My heart's in it. My head gets into it for about three, four days. And then my head talks me out of it. But I still believe that, that fasting is our body, our mind, our soul still speaking to God. It's saying, I'm dedicating these things to you. We need to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Jesus gave us the secret to cast out dem demons. He gave us the secret to heal the sick. He gave us the secret to walk in the miraculous. And it was by prayer and fasting. Jesus did not, was not presently in prayer and fasting when he cast that demon out. He had a history, he had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Jesus had to have had a history with the Father, just so he could walk in his story with the Father. It was the history of God, the history of Jesus, that cast that demon out. It wasn't that he was presently in that fast. It wasn't, he didn't say, hold on, I'll get back to you in four days. I'm just going to go fast about this. He didn't say, hold on, I need to go back up to the mountain and pray, and, and everything will be okay. But it was because it was his lifestyle. He made it a lifestyle for him. He was constantly fasting. He was constantly praying. And guess what? The boy was healed. The it was cast out. But if you want to walk in a lifestyle of the miraculous, if you want to see the impossible possible, if you want to see the sick healed, if you want to see demons cast out, then you too, me too, have to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. There is no excuses. If it was good enough for Jesus to do it, then it has to be good enough for us to do it. It has to be necessary for us to do it. There is no excuses. Our past history with God will give us a present day authority. Faith will speak. Faith has a voice. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. So faith has a voice. If faith comes by hearing, then it must speak something. You must have heard something. So what does faith speak? I'm glad you asked. 
faith speaks the will of God. Faith speaks the Word of God. Faith has to line up with the will of God. Faith has to line up with the, with the Word of God. Faith does not speak about the problem. That's called complaining. When we start speaking about our problem, that's called complaining. And I know that there's people here that have mountains in their life. I know there's people here that may have sickness. I, may, I know there are people here that's probably got financial trouble. But speaking about it, complaining about it, does not make that problem go away. It doesn't increase our faith. All it does is increase that mountain in our life. <clears throat> Catherine Kuhlman, talking about women revivalists, if you Google her, <laughs> Google her. She's amazing. Catherine Kuhlman puts it like this A miracle happens when Jesus becomes more real to you than your sickness. Faith speaks to the problem. Jesus never spoke about the sickness, Jesus never spoke about the problem, he spoke to it. And it had to leave. Because he knew the will of God. He knew the word of God. He had had a past history with God. So he knew what he needed to know to be able to speak to it and to be able to cast that thing out. And if you're having trouble hearing what God is saying, if you're having trouble with hearing what God is speaking, then maybe we need to go back to what he's already spoken. Because if we read, if we go back to what he's spoken, then we'll know what he is actually speaking. The spoken word of God will help us know what he is speaking. We need to attach authority to our speech. Mark 11, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Say, have faith in God. Say it again, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Have faith in God. Now, if you look behind the meaning of have faith in God, in verse 22, it literally translates to have the faith of God. See, when we partner our words with having the faith of God, we have authority in our life. If we partner our belief system to the faith of God, we have authority in our life. If we speak the faith of God, we have authority in our life. Faith plus what we declare equals authority. If we attach those two things, our faith and our spoken word, we have authority over that, whatever the mountain is. But first, we, also, we need our mustard seed, 
but we need our spoken word as well. We need to declare it. Faith will push our words into the problem and then pushes the problem out of our situation. When our faith and our speech combine, it says nothing is impossible. Said in Matthew, nothing will be impossible. If you want to go after the impossibilities, if there's something impossible in your life, if it feels impossible, but if you believe in a possible God, all things will be possible. There's nothing that can stand in front of you, nothing that can be impossible in your life when you have a possible God. And also in verse 20 it says, and if you say to this mountain, to move, it will move. We need to speak it out. We need to speak to that mountain, whatever the issue is in our life, wherever it's finances, finances, sickness, whatever, it doesn't matter what that mountain looks like. We need to speak to it with faith. We need to have the authority. God gave us a, a voice and he wants it to be used for authority. We don't talk about the mountain. We don't nurture the mountain. We remove it. We don't speak about the mountain. We speak to it and we remove it. It's all through Jesus' life. It's not us thinking away, it's us telling it to remove and for it to leave. So if we have faith for something, if you have faith for it, speak it out. If you have faith in God, speak it out. He's so worth talking about. He is so worth it. There's people here, there's people outside, there might be people here that don't know God. He is so worth speaking about. He is. He's beautiful. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, my wife Rachel and our little boy went for a walk along the Esplanade in Counter Bay, and it was probably about two, three, three maybe weeks ago. And a man came up, was walking towards us, and I just sort of jumped in front of him and I said, "You know, Jesus loves you, and you, and He has amazing." Amazing destiny over your life. And he goes, yes, he loves you too. And <laughs> uh, it's funny because every time I, I, well, not every time, but a lot of the times when I speak to people about Jesus, they always give me, they always shock me with their answers. But this guy, and I said, Jesus has amazing destiny. He has amazing calling over your life and he loves you so much. Can we pray for you? And he said, oh, look, you can pray for me, but I've got this long list of things and it's probably going to take you all day to pray over it. And I said, I don't care. Let's, let's just play, pray a blessing over you. And he said, who are you? <laughs> what, what? He said, are you a preacher? Are you a pastor? And I said, no. He said, hey, are you a youth, youth pastor? And I said, no. I said, I just go to church and I just love Jesus. And he said, he said to me, or said to us, I've never seen a Christian so passionate in my life. Yeah, it's, it, it can be a compliment, but it can also be, it, it made me think, 
If, I'm the, I, I, if he's never seen a passionate Christian in his life, what are we doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? God gave us passion. The movie's called The Passion of Christ. <clears throat> the Passion of Christ is about his passion for us, that he would go to that cross and he would be nailed to a bloody cross, the most horrific, horrific way to die, even to this day. And it was the passion of Christ, just so we can go to church on Sunday and not worry about it for the rest of the week. No, it's because we can be passionate, so we can come alive and be Christ-like, so we can live a passionate life. He is worth being speaking, spoken about. He is worth living. He, is, he should be everything in our life. He should be... I want to come up with some corny saying, some cheesy, like, he should be the fuel to our engines, or... He, our lives should reveal what we believe. And what we believe should be what we speak about. And what we are getting in life is a result for what we are believing. Now maybe, maybe when that man brought his son to the, the, the disciples and they couldn't cast him out, maybe it's because when he brought him to him, he got the disciples. Maybe the man came to the disciples and gave, brought his sick son. I don't know how old the boy was, but you know he'd had it his whole life. But you throw him in the fire, you'd throw him in the water, and maybe he didn't get healed because when he brought him to the disciples, he got the disciples when he should have got Jesus. If there's a mountain in your life and it's not being removed, maybe it's because we are bringing ourselves. And it's not ourselves that need to be the answer. It needs to be Jesus in us. Jesus is in us. If you're a Christian and you've received Jesus into your life, he is inside you. He is living inside you and he wants to get out. So maybe... When he brought him to the disciples, he got the disciples instead of getting Jesus in them. We need to let him out. People aren't going to be asking for us to release him. We just need to release him. People won't get healed if we don't pray over them. People won't know about God if we don't tell them. People won't experience Christ if we don't live a lifestyle of Christ. We need to be passionate. We need to be, oh my goodness. Come on, if you're a Crows supporter and Crows get in the grand final, we won't talk about Crows. If you are a Golden State Warriors supporter in the NBA and Golden State Warriors get in the finals, you become passionate. People know you would talk about God. I do it at work. I, I love basketball. And I will, and not everyone, God puts me in some great places to work. I'll tell you that. But I talk about the basketball. 
They're not interested, but they know I'm passionate about basketball. Because I will talk about the basketball, I don't care what they think, I'll tell them the scores, I'll listen to it, I'll give them live updates, I'll have my phone in front of me while I'm working, and I'll give them the updates through it, they know I'm passionate about basketball. What are you passionate about? What are we passionate about? It's easy for us to be passionate about our sporting team, whatever it is in our life, whether it's knitting, I don't, I don't know. You could be passionate about knitting, cars, motorbikes. Chad's passionate about knitting. But if you are uh, if you're passionate about your sports, sports team, people know because you tell them. You live a life that displays that you're passionate about that sporting team. If you follow the soccer, it doesn't matter what it is, people will know that you're passionate about that sporting team because... You show it, you talk about it, you let them know. If you are passionate about Christ and no one knows about it, then are you really passionate about Christ? I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> if you are a Christian and, and no one knows about it, there's something missing. What are we missing? We're missing, we're missing our passion. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We need to be hungry. We need to be more hungry. We need to be more passionate. We need to speak about him. He loves us so much. He loves us so much. He loves other people so much. He spoke the world into creation. He spoke you into creation. And when he spoke you into creation, he said, it is very good. It's not just for us. This is a message that other people need to hear too. Oh, I was in a shop and I spoke to the guy behind the counter, I said, Jesus loves you. And he said to me, how do you know that? <laughs> I said to him, because I know him. And I know he loves me and I know he loves you. And I ended up praying for him in that shop. He was working there and people were coming to the checkout and they would have to wait while I was praying for the guy. But also, I was living in a small little town of about, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people. I went up to a 19-year-old boy and I said, Jesus loves you so much. Did you know that? And he said, no. And I said, has anyone told you that Jesus loves you? He said, no, I've never heard that. He was 19 years in a small town where there was churches and he never heard that Jesus loves him. How many people out there don't know that Jesus loves them? They probably know other things, like, you know, the wrath of God or, or you know, yeah, money. But do they know the love of God? Do they know that love speaks a language? If I can get the band come up, that would be great. Thank you very much, guys. Like I said, God spoke the world into creation. If we go back into Genesis, Genesis 1. 
you'll read about God speaking creation. He spoke you, he spoke me, he spoke all of us into creation. Genesis 1, I'll read it. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That's his image. According to our likeness, that's his likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You have dominion. So God created man in his own image. That's his image. In the image of God, he created man created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He said that you are very good. So even if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like there's mountains in your, in your life, If you feel scared, if you feel not worth it. God said you were made in his image and it was good. You were made in the image, the very likeness of God. And God loves what he creates. God spoke out your name when he created you. And he said that you're in his likeness. That's our identity. That's our image. God's voice instills that creation inside of us. It makes us good enough because he said we're good enough right from the beginning. And when God speaks, he creates the goodness in you. In the upper room, when the disciples were in there after, after Jesus was put on the cross and died and then he raised again. Jesus walks through the walls. Why does Jesus walk through the walls? Because he doesn't need the door because he became the door. <clears throat> but he walks through the walls while they're in there. Now, if you're in a room and someone walks through the, the walls, you have every right to be afraid. Probably. But Jesus says, do not fear. And by him speaking those words, it created in them not to be afraid. Whatever God speaks to you, into you, he creates that. He said you are good. So he creates the goodness in you. His creation speaks. His spoken word is what creates the likeness in you, the image of God. Love speaks. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love speaks, it has a voice. And when Jesus was nailed to that cross, they thought that they were disarming him by stretching each arm out. As painful as what that would have been. As gruesome as what that would have been. They thought that they were disarming him. But all they were doing was exposing his heart to the world. 
They were opening his arms wide open to expose his heart. And at that very moment of him hanging on that cross, that was God speaking his love for us. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you accept it. He loves you. He loved you from the start. He loved you before you were born. He will continuously love you. He won't stop loving you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. There will be nothing that could separate you from the love of God. But are you willing to accept that love of God? Are you here today and you've never experienced the love of God? Are you here today and no one's actually said to you that God loves you? Well, I'm here today to tell you God loves you. God gave us a mustard seed of faith. It's our job to grow it. It's our responsibility to grow it. But God gave you love and he wants you to receive it. It's our responsibility to receive it. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.